AI in Action is brought to you by Aulis International, covering your business's staffing, consulting, and networking needs. Our host brings you the leading minds in AI, sharing their story, their success, and their advice. Focusing on fast-tracking you to the top, AI in Action cuts through the hype to help you kickstart your data science career. To listen to the latest AI in Action podcast, head over to www.aldus.com forward slash podcast, or subscribe via iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Podcasts. You're listening to AI in Action. I'm your host, JP Valentine. Our guest today is John Thompson. John is the Global Head of Advanced Analytics and Artificial Intelligence at CSL Bearing. John, welcome to the show. Thanks, JP. Glad to be here with you. Our pleasure. John, let's, uh, let's start from the beginning. Uh, a little bit of background of yourself, um, how you first got involved in technology, some of, the, some of the very interesting roles you've held along the way, taking us up to your current role at, at CSL. Uh, I started out uh, in high school as an auto mechanic and uh, was building hot rods and motorcycles and things like that. Never really ever expected to go to college. I did that for a year. I guess it was an unintended gap year. Uh, And then I decided I probably could do more than just build hot rods and race around the back roads of Michigan. So I ended up going to college and and joined into a a school that had one of the nascent uh, computer science programs. Went there for four years and then <clears throat> got out of school and started out as a programmer, uh, an assembler programmer at that in a large corporation. Worked at that for a couple years and then just had an epiphany that data and, and, and the reporting and management and analysis of data was really going to be the future. And I got into an early company called Metaphor Computer Systems and I was quite young and single and, and they sent me around the world. I lived in London for a couple of years. I spent some time in Tokyo. I was down in Brazil and in, in Rio de Janeiro and Sao Paulo. And I really found that I had a passion for constructing analytical, inform- analytical environments from data and then building analytics on top of that. So I started out as a consultant. As I said, I worked for Anheuser-Busch, uh, Pillsbury, Coors, um, United Biscuits, Lloyd's Bank, TSB, uh, Snow Brands in Japan, Brahma in Brazil, a bunch of different consumer packaged goods and retail companies. And I found that I had a talent for analyzing data and integrating data and giving people a view into their operations that they really just didn't have at that point. Then I spent a few years building some of the the analytical technologies that we use today, like predictive modeling markup language and and other advanced analytics technologies. I had a hand in some of the early neural network uh, technologies and tools. And then I spent a few years as a management consultant. And now I, I spent three years running Dell's advanced analytics division. And now I'm running the advanced analytics group of a biopharmaceutical company called CSL Bearing. So that's 37 years and two and a half minutes. That's quite impressive. I think it's important just to talk about um, the transition from, you know, hardware mechanic into what was in your early days, a hybrid of, of data and analytics, but also client facing and, and, and business development. Um, because it would be great to, to get your perspective of how, working front and center with clients on the consulting side has helped you in, in business leadership right away throughout the various roles that you've held. Yeah, it's a, it is a, it's something that I talk to all young data scientists and people who are involved in analytics that 
you, you really need, everybody needs to have people skills. Everybody needs to be able to work closely with business managers, business owners, operators, executives. We as analytics professionals are, need to be by nature translators. Uh, the things that we work on, the tools and technologies we work with are opaque to most people. And if we're not well-versed in communicating with those business owners, stakeholders, executives, our applications in general are not going to be as adopted and used as well as we would like them to be. So my early days of working in my dad's auto repair shop, I started when I was five years old. And I, I think my dad had a <laughs> had a uh, ulterior motive here that most of the time I ended up presenting the bill to our customers and talking them through the bill and actually taking <laughs> payment from them. So from the time I was five years old, I was interfacing with customers and our partner, you know, auto parts partners and towing services and things like that. So I, when I was five or six years old, thought it was just normal for little kids to be talking to adults about all sorts of things. But uh, I, I found later in life that was a rather unusual training. Uh, but I do think it was highly valuable. I think it's quite interesting journey, but but really relevant to to the roles you've held along the way. But leading us up to to CSL, so I think for for anyone who's worked in the life sciences space, CSL is a household name, uh, third largest bio biopharmaceutical company in the world. But uh, it would be good to hear about your your role or what it means to be global head of advanced analytics and and artificial intelligence for such a large organization, and talk us through some of uh, some of the projects that are going on internally. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just for everybody's understanding, if you haven't spent any time on my LinkedIn profile or, or looked at any of my biographical material, I don't have a deep uh, background in, in pharmaceuticals or biopharmaceuticals. My uh, career has spanned, as I said earlier, 37 years, 20 industries, and, and I'm new to the pharmaceutical industry. Uh, and it has been really intriguing over the last couple of years. What we have been working on is a couple different applications and understanding patients and their relationship to their therapies and their healthcare providers. We've worked on patient persistence and compliance analysis, which has been very intriguing. We've worked on manufacturing yield uh, analytics. We CSL bearing, if, if you're not aware, uh, all the therapies from CSL for the life-threatening diseases that our patients uh, suffer from come from human plasma. So we have 251 plasma donation centers around the United States, and that plasma is then taken and run through a manufacturing, a, a refining process, if you will, and the proteins are pulled out that are used in those therapies that help those people uh, mitigate or reduce the, uh, the symptoms that they suffer. So we, as I said, we worked on manufacturing yield, but we also, as I've implied, we have a retail side of our business, We've done a fair amount of analysis and understanding uh, donor behavior and different programs that we might offer those donors. So it makes it easier for them to come in and donate their plasma. And we've also done some artificial intelligence-based, neural net-based forecasting applications to look at the financials and the volume side of our business as well. So we've gone all the way from retail and donor-specific uh, analytics to the middle of manufacturing and supply chain to the other end of where our patients are consuming our therapies. So it's a, it's a, a great role. It's a fun role. I have a global remit, and I get to work across all functions of the corporation. 
John, thank you for that. I think it's important to note that, to your point in your introduction, you've managed to secure a, a global uh, lead role in one of the, the largest and most well-known biopharmaceutical companies in the world without having prior industry experience. I know many people will look at that and think, how is that possible? So talk, us about that. talk to us about that experience. How, how, did, how did it come come to pass that you were presented with the opportunity and how as somebody who didn't work in the industry previously uh, make the transition what were your learns what were the challenges there early on and you know how did you ultimately uh, make the transition as with most things in life uh, all good things come through people so CSL bearing was a customer of mine when I was at Dell we had at Dell had had extended and built the Statistica platform, and CSL uses Statistica as one of their advanced analytics platforms. So I was talking to some of the people I knew at CSL who were my customers, and they said, "Hey, we're going to create a new function, and it, and it's going to roll up to this person that has global responsibility for advanced analytics across the corporation. Are you interested in that kind of role?" And I, I said, "Yes, I am." So as we were going through the interviewing process, what I exhibited was my lifelong desire for learning, my intense curiosity about all things and everything, uh, you know, from a business perspective, a pure science perspective, research, supply chain. And I explained that in my view, corporations of all types have a natural cadence of change. And that advanced analytics can come in and do incredible things with data and math and bring all sorts of insights. But as I alluded to earlier, only if the business managers can accept and understand and adopt that change can it be truly valuable. So I believe the combination of my uh, broad experience across a wide, like I said, 20 different industries my ability to understand the role of analytics in a corporation and my ability to have uh, stakeholder management skills at the highest level to be able to work with the C-level executives all the way down to frontline manufacturing staff were, were three of the reasons why I was chosen to take on this role. And quite possibly the fourth was the interviewing panel had read your book, which I think is important, <laughs> important to add in at this point. You've authored what is a best-selling book, Analytics, How to Win with Intelligence. So talk us, talk us through that, that whole process. Uh, at what point did you decide to, to take your knowledge and, and put it into book form? And you know, what, were your, what were your learns from doing it? And, and, and what's next from, from John Thompson, the author? Yeah. Well, JP, you're absolutely right. Um, in hindsight, every one of the interviewer, interviewers had a copy of my book. So I do think you're right. I do think that helped. Uh, I wrote the book because when I was at Dell, I was traveling around, the, I was literally traveling around the world, meeting with all sorts of non-technical C-level executives. And, and I could sense trepidation and hesitation in each of them when I started talking about advanced analytics and math and data and those related topics, I could just see that they were uncomfortable with what I was talking about. So I assumed it wasn't me uh, that was the you know universal factor of discomfort. Uh, so I started to sit down and just write a book about what non-technical executives needed to understand. What kind of teams should you hire? What kind of problems should you address? How much money should you invest? How fast can these results come? 
you know, what do you, what is an executive, should you set aside from an investment perspective and what should you expect from the people that you hire? So the book was really a how-to book on how to, you know, invest in and, and begin the journey of creating an analytics function in a corporation. And the idea was, I live in Chicago, so I use Chicago as an example. So if you uh, got on a plane in Chicago and you were going to London or Dublin, uh, you should be able to finish that book in the span of that plane ride. Very easy to digest, very easy to understand. So that, as you said, uh, turned out to be a best-selling book and has done very well. Uh, to answer your other question, what's next? Uh, I'm currently finishing the next book. Uh, the title has yet to be determined, but the idea of the book is that this second book is the complement of the first book. The first book was written for C-level executives. This book is written for frontline managers who have to hire talent, manage talent, and get them to operate in a high-performance environment where they're integrating and interfacing with stakeholders and building advanced analytical applications that make a difference in businesses rather than those that are just for theoretical fun because we like to mess with data and math. Okay, so I think we're, we're eagerly looking forward to the release of the second book. I, I know for the first one, given the impact it's had, the second one should, should do just as well, if not even better. So thank you for that. Um, so John, look, looking at the role that you've currently got now, um, you know, healthcare and, and, and drug discovery and pharmaceuticals and biotechnology is, is certainly front and center right now, given the, the, the COVID pandemic that we're facing. Could you talk to us a little bit about how data and analytics is helping drive innovation within, from the inside of, of major biotech organizations who truly are bringing forth the next wave of, of you know, uh, life-saving uh, treatments. Thank you for those kind comments about the, the first book and the second book. I appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, in, in how biotech and pharmaceutical companies are helping drive uh, innovation yeah, we are, are doing some really intriguing things in looking at uh, genetics. Of course, genetics is a big thing. Uh, COVID has, has taken the uh, attention of the world in the last three or four months, uh, certainly. And, and CSL has actually created an alliance and announced it last week where we are working with a number of the plasma uh, innovators and participants in the, in the plasma industry to begin to look at hyper, the hyperimmune response of people who have had COVID, uh, have contracted the, the coronavirus and have recovered from COVID-19. And we are looking at those different proteins and the immune response that might be in that plasma so we can help accelerate uh, treatments and vaccines and, and the ability to uh, mitigate or reduce the effect of, of the coronavirus on population in general. So analytics and data is being driven, uh, is, is being used daily in the research and development function, and we are using it in the commercial function to understand where the populations are, how we can understand what, where those infection rates are, and how where we might be able to find people who have that hyperimmune response. So we're using it to identify uh, target populations for potential vaccines and cures. And we're also looking at, at target populations of people where they did not get the coronavirus and how we might be able to help those, those groups as well. 
thank you for for that insight it must be incredibly interesting given all the different industries that you've worked in to now be involved in in something as unique as life sciences um to that point given your your 37 plus years across 20 different industries now landing in life sciences could you talk about some some of the things with leading analytics and artificial intelligence teams in life sciences that's unique but also then what is what similarities there are across all industries because that would be really helpful to understand mm-hmm. for individual contributors managers how you know some of the, the the core things that work can transition and translate across all industries great question jp and happy to to give my take on it it is intriguing when i came into healthcare i had some healthcare experience working at dell we had built uh, an application with the university of iowa hospital system where we were instrumenting all their emergency, or not their emergency rooms, but their surgical theaters, and the patients that were on the tables, and the uh, the doctors and nurses that were operating in those rooms as well. So we were taking real time feeds out of the room, the environmentals, the patient, the biometrics from the patients, any kind of unusual happenstance in the operating room, and we were generating a predictive score for the surgeon when they were ready to close a patient's uh, you know, surgical opening. And that, that predictive score told them how to treat that patient to reduce the probability that they would develop sepsis. So over three years, using that application, doctors reduced the incidence of post-surgical sepsis by 74%. Now, many of the listeners who are in the healthcare space will know that sepsis is the most costly uh, incidence of, of disease after surgery in the United States. So reducing it by 74% saves a huge amount of money, uh, suffering and time people have to spend in the hospitals. Now, moving on to uh, biopharmaceuticals, you know, the, the, it may sound strange, but a pharmaceutical company is very similar to every other company in the world. You have customers, you have patients, you have raw material input, you have supply chains, you have factories. Many of those things do not change. They're, from a data and analytics perspective, they're very similar. So it may sound odd, but you know, a, a car company and a pharmaceutical company have many of the same functions and many of the same needs when it comes to data and analytics. So if you're an analytics professional and in General Motors or Ford, you could do a fair amount of the analytics required in a pharmaceutical company as well. Now, where are they different? They are different in the regulatory areas, the need to understand uh, government regulation and compliance on a global basis, because it is different in every continent. Uh, You know, Japan has their own, China has their own, Australia. uh, So it's not only continental, it's country specific. And then there are the uh, the areas of clinical trials. So government compliance, clinical trials, and the area of safety, uh, you know, safety, ri- safety and risk management. I would say those are the four areas in a pharmaceutical and biopharmaceutical company that are different than any other industry in the world. So if you take that as a whole, you know, probably 60 to 80% of a pharmaceutical company from a data and analytics perspective is the same as any other company, but the other, you know, 40, 20 to 40% is radically different. So 
you have to understand that and be able to operate in that and, and be focused where you can make a difference. So making that transition, what was the, um, what were the, some of the biggest challenges that you faced early on with, with adapting to that 20 to 40%? I'm still working through that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, as I said, we were focused early on in understanding patients and the retail operations and manufacturing and supply chain. Now we as a team, an analytics team, are starting to get pulled into clinical trials and understanding that understanding uh, compliance and risk and safety. So we were very careful to make sure that we went into areas where we could make a difference immediately. Because as everybody, when you start a new job, you know, everybody's watching and, and they want to see that you're going to do a good job. You're going to be careful. You're going to be a good uh, corporate citizen. You're going to be able to work with your coworkers, uh, establish your trust and respect as everybody needs to do. And then you want some quick wins, which we went after with Gusto. And now we're being asked to be brought into some of the more uh, sensitive areas of the business, which we're very excited about. And as analytics professionals, most of us are, are intensely curious. So this is an opportunity to, for us to, uh, you know, uh, re-energize our learning and learn new areas that we probably have not had deep experience in before. I think there's a great message in that for all levels, even from academics transitioning into their first role as an associate is have an impact, show value. Um, because one of the questions we ask a lot, um, particularly for helping candidates in secure positions is effectively making the transition from academia to industry. And I think yeah. that the points you made are applicable at all levels. Um, so just to, just to finish up then, um, John, what are you most excited about in, in your current role and, and the future of this industry? Well, right now we're, we're looking at some really intriguing uh, changes in operations driven by COVID. And uh, it's, it's, a, it's a tough situation and my heart goes out to everybody affected by this, this pandemic. Uh, so what we're trying to do is trying to figure out, you know, what has happened to our business because we rely on the public to come and donate plasma and what has happened to our forecasting models. So we're looking at all sorts of interesting data there's a company out there called Kinsa, K-I-N-S-A. Uh, they sell thermometers. So when people take temp their temperature that in their children or adults, it's uploaded to an app and then uploaded to the cloud. We've been working with Kinsa in getting that temperature data so we can look at the incidence of normal flu and also COVID-related uh, fever. So that gives us some ideas of where things are going to spike and it, it can be as early as a week or two before we see the, the data in the CDC numbers. We're also working with a company called Aura, O-U-R-A, which uh, has these wearable rings. Uh, we're also using their biometric data to try to understand these patterns of, of health and, and uh, disease across the, the United States and possibly around the world. So I get very excited about bringing in new types of data and, and layering those into our existing and new analytical applications so we can get a better handle on what's happening in the real world because isn't that really what all analytics is about, is trying to understand what's happening in the real world and give our business managers and executives and owners a heads up as to what's coming down the line so they can plan and act and react faster. John, this has been a super insightful, um, really interesting to hear um, what you guys are working on. 
um, both at a company-wide level, but then also your your individual um, background and, and hearing about your journey and some of the, the interesting uh, pieces of advice you shared. So remind us again, when are we going to see the uh, the next book on the shelves and online to uh, to pick up? Thanks, JP. I, it's been great to be here, and I've, I'm always happy to talk about analytics, my favorite topic. Uh, the writing of the book is done. It will be done this week. The editing will probably take another month. I'm projecting that the book will be on the shelves in mid-June or, or early July. So just in time for everybody to go to the beach and uh, have a little bit of summertime reading. Excellent. Excellent. Well, John, listen, thanks again for your time. We really appreciate it. And uh, we look forward to seeing the book soon. Thank you, JP. Talk to you soon. AI in Action is brought to you by Aldus International, covering your business's staffing, consulting, and networking needs. Aldus offer an exec search program. Aldus can help you discover how data science and AI can transform your company. With our unrivaled network of C-suite executives and senior AI professionals, we offer retained search services across the US and Europe. For more information, contact mark at aldus.com. Get the Aldus Advantage. Become a member of the Aldus community and enjoy some of the following. AI meetups. Once a month, our community gathers to listen to some of the leading experts in the world of data science and AI. Our speakers come from all over the world, including Dublin, Boston, and Frankfurt. We also have our AI mentors. Our experts will provide mentoring to all us members. And don't forget our AI in Action podcast. Each week, we have guests from all over the world talking us through their education, career, and more. Become an Aldus member and get the Aldus advantage. For more information and to sign up for our newsletter, log on to www.aldus.com. That's www.aldus.com. Aldus International, empowering through AI.